It's a joy to be with you. I don't have much time for kind of introductory remarks, so let me just tell you that the Apostle John was in exile on the island of Patmos, and God the Son appeared to him and gave him the revelation, and in that revelation were seven letters to seven churches, and one of those churches reminds me a whole lot of you. In fact, some weeks ago when Jason was talking to me about preaching this Sunday, and we were discussing that, I said, Jason, I think there is a church that really resembles Longview Point and all that God has done through the years in that church. And we talked about it at length and called back and traded information, so I don't come completely unprepared, but he did phone me Friday morning and said, Dad, can you preach? I'm really sick. So... Jason was fired up and ready, but his body wouldn't go. In that church, that next to the last church that is addressed in those seven letters, I find the greatest encouragement that you'll find in any of the letters, and and one of the most encouraging passages of Scripture, I, I believe it's written not simply to the church of the Revelation, I believe it's written to this church. I believe it's written to folks like you, that God has something to say to you. All these letters end with the same expression, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I'm just curious about how many of you have ears. That's a good start. And then the second part, ears to hear ears to hear, that's a willingness to listen and receive and let God do a work. And then understanding it's the work of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit is at work in this place, just like He was centuries and centuries ago in that church we're looking at this morning. So I know I've got your curiosity aroused about that church. It was a circular path that the letters took, starting in Ephesus and winding their way away around through Smyrna, Pergamum, and Sardis, and so forth, and all around. And what is today Turkey? At that time, it's called Asia Minor. And those letters circulated, so each church got to read the other church's mail. So by the time it gets to the next to the last church, I can imagine there was some apprehension when they realized, well, we're next. What does Jesus have to say to us? There had been some condemnation along the way. There had been some rebuking of those other churches, the five that preceded. There had been some correction that had been given. But when you come to this church number six, what you find is only encouragement, only blessing, only hope, only that promise of what God can do in a church like this. And so I want you to find the address of that church, Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. It's to the angel or the messenger or the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, but Turkey, ancient Asia Minor, a small place, Philadelphia, but an important place. It had a role to play out in that part of the world. 
It was founded to be a witness. It was founded to be a witness. A witness to Greek culture. It was put out there on the edge of things. It was put out at the, uh, at the place where three ancient kingdoms met. And it was to be estab- establish Greek culture over those kingdoms. It was to establish the Greek language. It was part of the unifying effort of an empire to bring an empire together. It was supposed to be a, a witness. But in that place, a church was planted. We don't know too much about how it was planted and who started it. Probably some disciples out of Ephesus when Paul was there for three years. They had that revival in Ephesus. There were probably some people from Philadelphia who traveled back home and started sharing the gospel. And a church was planted. And so one Sunday morning, I think they gathered together. It wasn't a great big church. Much smaller than this. Much smaller. Not too much influence. Not too much power. Not too much presence in that place. But they, there they were gathered. And can you see the preacher standing up and, and holding the scroll open and, and reading? Here's a letter. It's addressed to us. It's from Jesus. And again, I think they might have been kind of nervous if they had read those other letters that preceded that there had been a, a lot of rebuke and a lot of condemnation, a lot of things going wrong in those other churches. And so I think there was a little bit of nervous apprehension about the reading of the letter. If I could have been in any of these seven churches, it would have been in that church on that Sunday morning to hear that letter from the Lord Jesus. And if I could be in any other church, any place in the world, I'd rather be in this church this Sunday morning listening to what Jesus has to say to this church through his word to bless you, to encourage you, to lift you up, to strengthen you, to move you on to where he's calling you to be. Look at the scripture says. Do you stand when the scripture's read? That's wonderful. Let's do it. So you should be at the right address, chapter 3, Revelation, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. Or it could be to the church in Hernando, write. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name, 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh, Father, let us hear. Open our ears that we may hear from you. Hide us behind the word. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Unless you want to stand, that would be all right. Our God opens doors. He still opens doors. He opens doors that change lives and destinies. He opens doors that change our dreams and our hopes. He opens doors that change our purpose and our priorities. And in this passage of Scripture, I I want us to come away today being able to see those open doors, to see them clearly, and what God's will is for us concerning the doors He opens for this church and for each of us individually. He opens doors. He opens doors of salvation and grace. There was a town that was to be a witness. And in that town, there was a church that was to be a witness, a place where people would come and they would hear the gospel. For 16 years, this church has been preaching the gospel. It's been teaching the gospel. It's been guiding people through the waters of baptism, confessing their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a gospel church. This is a salvation church. This is a door that, a church that opens its door And through that door, men and women come, young people come, and children come, and they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and their lives are changed, and their destiny is changed, because God planted a church here in Hernando, like you, that makes the gospel known. Glory to His name, what He does through people like you. The mission He's given you, the witness He's given you, the place He's given you. Philadelphia was called the city of brotherly love. That's what it means, Philadelphia, philos, fellowship, love, a brotherly love. It was to be a city of love. I don't know if the secular city ever fulfilled that name, but I know that the church there fulfilled that name. I can just imagine them. I think about what it must have been like in that first century, those people. They lived on a crossroads. There was a lot of traffic back and forth. That was another reason for putting the town, founding the town there. It was one of the last of the seven towns founded that are mentioned in Revelations chapters 2 and 3. But it was put on a major trade route, east and west and north and south. And all kinds of people passed through. And don't you know that in in the course of a day, somebody walking through the marketplace and seeing somebody new in town just might turn to them and say, you know, I'd like to invite you someplace. I'd like to invite you to to my house. We have a meeting that's going on over there. And and we're, we're talking about things that could change your life and change your destiny. And, and we'd love for you to be in on that. And I believe through the years of the, that church's witness and existence, many a traveler would have walked through and heard the gospel there. The doors were open to grace and to salvation in that place. One of the interesting things about church life that I, I'm just learning, heard it maybe a couple of weeks ago from one of the pastors at our church in Rogers, was that most people make the decision about the church they eventually join in the first seven minutes. The first seven minutes. What does that mean about the preacher? (laughs) 
<laughs> if they're already deciding in the first seven minutes, it's not so much the preacher that has made the difference. It's the body of Christ. It's folks like you. It's some stranger walking up to that door, and from the minute they walk to that door right there and they start their way in, there's some people there that obviously care about them, welcome them, look them in the eye, speak to them, glad you're here. That's what happened to me this morning. I don't know if they did to anybody else, but I sure felt welcome. It's a wonderful thing when you, you first come in the door. It's a scary thing when you first come in the door. You've never been here before. Did you know that? You, you look around just hoping you see somebody you know, and, not, and, and sometimes you just don't, but you come on in. I, I want to tell you about somebody like that. Somebody like that was my mom. We, we were all raised in Christian science. Have you ever heard of that, Christian science? I'm the third generation, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, all Christian scientists. Somebody said there's only two things wrong with Christian science. It's not Christian, and it's not science. It's like grape nuts. <laughs> anyway, for years, Marcia and I have been praying for my mom that she would come to Christ. She was so uh, just engaged and saturated with Christian science like we all were. I had come to the Lord, and I started praying for my family. I prayed my mom. And we, we were on the mission field and still praying that somehow my mom would be exposed to the gospel. I kept telling her that, Mom, find a church, find a good church, find a place where people will love you. Here's, this is the truth before God, my Savior, my Lord, hand on the Bible. She finally went to a Baptist church. She walked in the door. She sat down somewhere in the back. And a lady came in and looked at my mom and said, you're sitting in my seat. In a Baptist church that I had prayed that my mama would hear the gospel and be saved. Bless her heart. She moved over. She got up and she moved over and she sat down and she went home and she didn't go back. And months passed. I don't know how long it was. And here's what happened. She was a teacher's aide in a primary school. And one of the teachers phoned her and said, Janet, would you come with me to my church? I think you'll find it's a lot different than that place where you went before. So my mom came, and the church opened the door of grace and salvation for my mom. She sat down next to her teacher friend, heard the gospel. When the invitation was given, her friend leaned over and said, Janet, don't you want to give your heart to Jesus? And without a word, my mom stood, and she walked out with her friend, and she came to the altar, and she gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the church has an open door through which men and women and boys and girls will pass, and they have the opportunity there to hear the gospel, but they hear it first from you before the preacher ever opens his mouth. 
You are the ones who make the difference. You are the ones. Preachers come and go. Bless their hearts. (laughs) But the men and women of God who through the years plant their lives and stay on and on and on and raise their kids and see their grandkids come to Christ, you want to be that kind of church that opens a door. And through that door, men and women come and they hear the gospel in this place and their lives are changed and their destinies are changed because you are determined to have an open door for all people in this church. And they'll come in here and they'll know God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. They'll hear that God is not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. And they'll hear that whosoever believeth in the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is a gospel preaching church. The strength of this church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ lived out in every one of you. What a church. You know, the first time I ever came to this church, years ago, Jason and Beth were... Uh, Beth was working in Holly Springs. Jason was a student at the seminary, Mid-America. And they invited me to come to their church, this Longview Point Church. And I said, where do you meet? Where's your church? He said, hardware store. I said, what? I, I was still old school where you needed a building with a steeple. And I said, hardware, hardware store? said, yeah, and he said, come on, Dad, but first you need to go to our Bible class. And I said, well, where's that Bible class meeting? He said, on the courthouse steps. And they sent me over, Marsh and I, we sat on the courthouse steps with a group of, we were young then, young adults, (laughs) and we studied the Bible together. But from the very beginning, this has been a church of an open door, no matter where it met. It opened the door to people to come and hear the gospel. What a heritage you have in that open door. It's, it's bringing people through it, bearing witness to them, and making sure that before they leave, they have the opportunity to know that they are loved and that you are loving. They're cared for, and you are caring. And they're important because you look them in the eye and you talk to them, ask them where they are in life, and where their heart is, and how Jesus can make a difference. Everyone in this place makes that kind of difference. It's the open door that changes lives and destinies, but it also it's the open door of access to blessing. And that's what I'd like to, to show you now. Open door to access and blessing from God. Not only does he open that door of salvation through his church, he opens a door of access to heaven so his blessings can pour down on the church. When I I looked at the scripture, I, I saw these words. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. This is the one, the words of one who is holy. He's completely different. He's unlike anyone, anywhere, at any time. This is the unique, holy one of God. And he's true. Everything he says is true. Everything he does is true. He's the real deal. Nothing fake or false in the Lord Jesus. Everything you hear from him is the truth because he he is the truth. And he says, this scripture reminds us that he holds the key of David. Now, where in the world does that come from? 
Where do you find that key of David in Scripture? What does it mean? Well, it started bothering me. So I asked Jason, and he said, Dad, look in Isaiah chapter 22. So I looked over there. This is really true. That's what happened. He said, there's something about that key in Isaiah chapter 22. And it's at verse 20. You don't have to turn there, but you might want to write down Isaiah. Next to that uh, key of David, write down Isaiah chapter 22, verse 20. Here's what happened. In the days of King Hezekiah in the Old Testament that Isaiah records, there was a treasurer in charge of the riches of the kingdom who was a bad guy. And times were bad, and times were difficult, and the kingdom was collapsing. But this guy Shebna's idea is, let's eat, drink, and make merry. Let's spend this money up while we can, and let's have a good time, and then we'll all die. He wasn't very optimistic about the future. And the Lord was not very pleased with his behavior, and the king was not. And in verse 20, it says, In that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. So what is happening in this Old Testament passage is that Shebna, the bad guy, is being replaced by Eliakim, a good guy, to be the treasurer in charge of all the riches of the kingdom. And in verse 21, he says, I will clothe him with your robe and fashion your sash around him and hand him your authority, hand him your authority over to him. You begin to get a picture that maybe something else is going on, some kind of prophetic word, some kind of type or picture of the future Messiah. I will clothe him with your robe, fashion a sash around him, hand him your authority over him, and he will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and the people of Judah. I will place on his shoulder, listen, the key to the house of David. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. That's a direct quote out of Revelation chapter 3 in the letter to the Philadelphians. It's an exact quote. I will drive him like a peg to a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for the house of his father. And so there, in this guy Eliakim, way back in the Old Testament, is a type of Jesus Christ. And what Eliakim had then was the key to the royal treasury. When he opened it, he could pour out the riches. He could share the wealth. He could share the blessing. He would pass it on to the people in a righteous way. He would undergird the kingdom and stand by the king and do his will. And his authority was placed in the hands of this steward of the treasury. He who is holy and true. He has the keys of the house of David. The one who stands in heaven now has the keys to all the blessings, all the riches, all the promises, all the power, all His will to be done in and through His church. There is a door now open in heaven, chapter 4 says in Revelation. A door opened up in heaven. And there's a God who knows this church. And He knows what you need. And He's a God who looks intently at the needs of this church and he's ready to pour out a blessing as you call upon him. 
as you seek His face. He is there. He knows you. And He's ready to meet that need. Will you call upon Him? Will you call upon Him? Jesus says to that church, I know you're weak. I know you're weak. I, I don't know of a time when a church is more vulnerable, when a church feels more uncertain, when a church doesn't know, as it has in the past, exactly what's to happen in the months and years to come, as when it's in a transition like you are now. And so the church at that time looks to heaven, and you call upon the Lord, and He answers you, and He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and not to harm you, plans to prosper you. The plans He has for you are mighty and wonderful. God's not finished with this church. The best is yet to come. God stands and He looks at you and He knows your need and He's ready to pour out as you turn to Him. He's ready to pour out His power in your weakness, His certainty in your uncertainty, His confidence in any of your fears. You can trust the Lord of heaven. He has an open door that He's open to you and you can approach Him boldly. You can approach Him boldly at the throne of grace to ask for help in your time of need. This morning, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come and come to this place, to this altar. I'm going to ask you to pray for this church. I'm going to ask you to pray for blessing to fall. I'm going to ask you to pray for that search committee. I'm going to ask you to pray that God would open the doors of heaven and pour out a blessing such as you had never expected in these days as you wait on Him to see what great things our God can do with folks like you at times like this. Oh, he's going to open the door of heaven. It's a door of blessing. It's a door of renewed hope and renewed power. He takes away our fears. He promises to protect us. I'll keep you from that synagogue of Satan. Oh, Satan wants to get in there and just run you up one side and down the other. He does. But there's a promise in this letter of protection. You see it? Satan may rattle your cage, but he will not bring you down. He may disturb you. He'll not destroy you. We have a God in heaven who's committed to the life and health and continuity and future of this church here in Hernando. And you can count on him to be your defender. All through this, there is a, a wonderful presentation in these verses 9 down to the end of, the, of this section 13 of, of God's plan for the church. What He's going to do, I will make, I will do, I am coming soon. Hold on. Tremendous promises to the church. Tremendous protection for the church. What a promise coming soon. You know, I, I don't have time. I preached three weeks on this one passage of Scripture one time, and I, I'm running out of time now. <laughs> but I want to tell you all, all of that about the pillar in the house of the Lord, all about you won't be coming in going out, and all about the New Jerusalem. That's about heaven. It, it, it is saying, look, I'm going to be with you right now, but I want you to know this. I'm, I'm making a promise to you. You're going to make it. 
you who are in Christ, you're going to make it. If you keep calling on me, if you keep depending on me, you have heaven as your home. And that's the solid word of the Lord Jesus Christ to his church. Listen, guys, you're heaven bound. This ship's going home to heaven. It's going to carry all of you on the good ship, Grace. All of you that have trusted in him. All of you have been washed in his blood. All of you going, all of us going together to heaven. What a day that will be. What a day it will be when we gather together. I look around, some of us are closer than others. That's okay. That's okay. We'll be waiting for you. We'll be singing and celebrating as you come. But one by one, God's saints are going to come marching home. That's the promise of his word right here to his church. This isn't the end of it, not your struggles. That's not the end of it. Not your difficulties. Not not your times of transition and worry. Listen, set your eyes on Jesus because he's bringing you home. It's an open door that renews our hope, strengthens us, changes our dreams. I I, want to share with you, too, this open door is a door of service. Not only an open door salvation, not only open door blessing, but it's a door of ministry and evangelism by the church. I've set before you an open door. No one can shut it. I don't know what, I can't imagine a church where this is more appropriate than this church right here. Because from the very beginning, he set before you an open door. And you've gone out that door. You've not only brought people in the door to hear, you've not only looked up to the open door of heaven for blessing, but you've gone out that door. This church goes out that door. This, this is not a spectator church. This is a participating church. As men and women, you've taken hold of the mission and that great commission. You're a church on mission, and the door of opportunity is open to you. Paul, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, said, pray for us too. I want to read this to you. In Colossians chapter 4, he says in chapter 4, verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer. And this is so appropriate to you. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. That's why the open door that pushes us out and pray for God to open a door for the message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be, now, this is, it. this is to you. Listen. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, Jesus says, see, look, I set before you an open door. It's open door of ministry and service. You see it? Can you see where you fit into that? Every man and every woman. I'm praying you'll have ears to hear and open your heart to the Spirit that God has a place for you. You, You've got to see that opportunity. See it. It, It's out there this week. It it may be at Walmart. It may be at your workplace. It may be at your school. There is going to be somebody, one somebody somewhere, that needs a word about Jesus. And and you're going to be the only one who's going to tell them. It's It's a door opportunity. 
And so you're thinking wisely and you're looking for that opportunity. That's, that's how God uses the body of Christ. That, that school teacher got hold of my mom. She, she saw the opportunity in, in a wounded spirit that wasn't going to go back to church, but she got hold of her by the arm and she brought her in. She found the opportunity. Somebody found the opportunity with me. I was lost as a white goose in a snowstorm. Lost, completely lost. And, and somebody who had been a former roommate in college looked me up, found me, because he had come to Christ and he wanted me to come to Christ. There's somebody like that in your life. Uh, opportunity in your home. I, I walked in the door and one of the men told me on the way in, he said, I've got, I believe he said, this may be right, he said, I've got four children going to be baptized this morning in this, is that right? Is that right, Brother Frank? Three. Three. Okay. Excuse me for being a Baptist preacher exaggerator. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but I think that's a pretty good deal. Three of his children being baptized today. You, you have an open-door opportunity in a home. You have an open-door opportunity in Hernando. You have an open-door opportunity around the world. I mean, what a great church. Next week, <laughs> the doors of the world are open to you. You're going to be bringing people. My good friend, Mark Edward, he's going to preach here next Sunday morning. I knew Mark out in Poland where he was a, just a rambunctious cowboy of a missionary leading people to Christ and starting churches. And he's going to be a preacher next, next week. And he's now uh, the lead guy for European missions for Southern Baptists. Uh, what a privilege it is to have the world come here and to get a picture of the world, to open your ears, to see would you get hold of high school juniors and seniors and make sure they come in and that they hear this? Any, anybody approaching graduation from high school? Some of you, it's long past. But <laughs> some, some of you, listen, God's going to be speaking to your heart. He's going to open some doors. He's going to show you some possibilities and some opportunities. It never occurred to you what God can do with people like you, what God can do with people like you. I, I'm 71 years old and uh, two months ago, I was in the middle of the Amazon jungle telling people about Jesus. In January of this year, I was under a single light bulb run by a generator in the middle of the jungle in Nicaragua. And people came out of the jungle like, uh, like light moths, you know, and they just started coming out of the jungle. And they stood there. And what a joy to, just to be able to say the name Jesus out there in the middle of the darkness of the jungle and, and pray for them to be blessed and that the open door of heaven would just be poured out on them. They don't have a thing there. They don't have a thing but Jesus. Listen, I've got to stop. But here's what I want to tell you. What a great day to be a part of the church right here, right here. Amen. What a great opportunity. Jason said, be sure to tell them next week there's going to be food trucks <laughs> and there's going to be bounce-around houses and there's going to be fireworks, and that nobody should miss next Sunday night. Please tell them that, Dad. I told them that. <laughs> but the most important thing is that Jesus is going to be here. Amen. And he's, bring your friend. Bring your, bring your kids. Bring your grandkids. Fill this house up, and let them hear what God can do with folks like us.
how he can change lives and destinies, how he can change our hopes and dreams, how he can change our purpose and priorities. He still opens doors.